and well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool. What do you have to drink? Here, we're going to talk about different aspects of kink, leather, the BDSM community, relationships within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. The content that we discuss will likely be explicit. Listener discretion is advised. If you want to help us improve more, you can actually sign up for our Patreon and donate to that mm-hmm. at the Kinky Tavern. Um, and you can send us questions or suggestions to any of the following. Yes. We're at the Kinky Tavern on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife. And that's all one word, the Kinky Tavern. We are also separately on FetLife at mdizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. And I am at pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R. Mm-hmm. You can also join our Discord through our link tree or through um, messaging us and we'll send you a link. We'd love to have you engage with us and help us make this the best place to learn about kink. Yeah, and you can find us also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Almost all the places. Hi, I'm Miss Dizzy. And I am Pup Wrecker. And today we're going to be talking about pet play. Oof. We are very lucky because we have our very own pup in the studio today. Hey yo. As we do every day. <laughs> pup Wrecker. Yep, that's me. So he's going to give us some insight. I can give some insight as a handler. And we did have quite a bit of discussion in our Discord. Hey, if you want to join our Discord, hit us up. Um, we had quite a bit of discussion in our Discord that I'm also going to bring up because it was quite insightful. Yeah. So to get started... Uh, I want to say, you know, pet play includes people who play as pets and as handlers. It's not just the pets. Both are participating in pet play. Um, Handlers can come in many varieties. Alphas, just handlers. Um, They can pretend to be vet techs and be the handler for that specific scene kind of thing. So it depends. Yeah, pet play is a very, I mean, that's just the general term we use for it. So it covers, like Miss Dizzy said, pretty much... Anything in between, it, um, it does not, um... Well, it also, it, it includes things like people can be kittens or cats, puppies or pups, bunnies, ponies, foxes, wolves, dragons, squirrels. I mean, there's so many, and you can identify as one or multiple pets. Yeah. Um, some people get into, they identify as something else different with a specific type of play or yeah like they're a wolf during primal play but they're a kitten during just regular just pet, pet play just like yeah. a mosh or something mm-hmm. but yeah um there are like some misconceptions because of some clickiness within the community there's a little secret we're not all perfect like us just kidding yeah. we're not perfect none of us are perfect oh, yeah. um <laughs> shut up <laughs> but uh because of this clickiness there's a misconception that for example, pups have to be male presenting and that cats, ha- kittens have to be female presenting. And that's totally not true. I know male cats. I know female pups. I know non-binary foxes. Yeah. So. And the, I mean, you can identify as pretty much any kind of animal you want. Um, 
I, I mean, I've heard about raccoons out there and like, I'm sure there's like unicorns and who knows what else is out there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my, I, myself, I'm, I, I'm a pup, but I also feel like there's a bit of dragon in there. So it's kind of like, like this weird hybrid kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 I mean, it's. You're like an Irish wolfhound mixed with the dragon from Merlin. I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't he voiced by John? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. That was a little um, yeah. specific <laughs> shout out to our nerds out there that watched Merlin. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> so they're moving on. We're gonna talk about uh, role play and pet space. So pet space is very similar to subspace, and it can it's a mental state that you go into that some people go into when they do pet play now this isn't not everybody can do this and sometimes it's very hard to get into that space i still struggle with it as a pup Mm -hmm. so but there are people who can just switch on and off like like nothing so but and a lot of times it takes a a lot of time to get to that that intense space um sometimes it's triggered by an item or an action or a commands or it could be anything, really. Um, so we have a pup in the community that if you say their name too much, they start to go spacey. So, <laughs> or if you bring a flip flop to their line of view, or what was it, the green, the green, the green, the duck. green duck, the green ducky, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like this mental state, this altered state, where they feel like an animal. Yeah. They kind of reach their inner animal. And um, a lot of times it's nonverbal. They don't speak a lot of times. Sometimes they will record, speak. Oof. Um, I don't really bark much, so. I know. You're a quiet boy. <laughs> uh, sometimes they can't understand human language quite as they would. Like, there's this filter or barrier I've heard it described as. Mm-hmm. Um, do you experience that at all? No, I haven't quite gotten that far into space. Uh, there was that one time that I climbed up onto a spanking bench. I couldn't figure out how to get back down, though. So, um... That was precious. I had to remove his mitts. Well, take away the thing he had just stolen from somebody. Yeah. Give it back to them. It was a fox. Foxes are very... Or the foxes we fox. know are very particular about their toys being theirs and everyone else's toys being theirs. Um, <laughs> anyway, he had just stolen this toy from a fox and climbed up onto onto a spanking bench and then onto a massage table from that spanking bench. And Wrecker is a 6'1", 200-some <laughs> pound man. And he's climbing over this furniture, and I'm just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, please don't let anything break. And I go over to him, and he is really struggling. He has no idea how to get down. He's a little bit freaked out by being up there, I think. But then he looks at me, and he's like so proud of himself. And I take away the toy and give it back to Bollocks and take off your mitts. And it still took you several seconds to get anywhere near human. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't fully in space, but I... Yeah. You were, I mean, you were pretty... Like, you know, that subspace kind of look, the twinkly uh-huh. eyes. You were puppet a little. Yeah, but it wasn't like the fully... Like, fully immersed, like some of our other animals get. Oh, yeah, some of the animals. And it doesn't matter. In the community, there are going to be some people that don't even go into pet space at all. Yeah. And they're just role-playing, and that's totally valid and fun. Yes. Have your fun, please. Um, 
but the goal for a lot of people is to get into pet space and that doesn't necessarily mean to be your goal no um but we are working towards getting you further into pet space and yes figuring out the different triggers we can use and stuff like that yeah it's a little hard for me at the events because i'm the event coordinator yeah like (laughs) i have to i have two pups and i often have a third pet of some sort that has asked me to handle them for the night and then i've got the entire mosh that i'm trying to cater to and run and (laughs) organize so that we have water breaks and but yeah one thing you should try to do if you're um doing pet play um whether you get into space or not you should always have a trigger word or some kind of signifier uh just in case something happens whether it's the pet or the handler that can bring you out of space and just because i mean if if you're playing with a pet or whatever and the pet's in space so far they don't recognize like i mean they recognize human words but they can't fully comprehend that because they're in pet space Mm -hmm. and like you start having like an asthma attack or something they don't, I mean, they're not going to know what to do. So they need, you they need, need a signal. it's, it's a safety thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that kind of got brought up in our chat with. Yeah. We Discord. had a great chat with latex born and yeah. V pandemonium about that. And it was really. Yeah. Cause I didn't even think about that mm-hmm. because they're like I said, there's several pups. There's a pup in our community that, um, she wouldn't, she'd just be oblivious to the whole thing. We have had to have four people tackle her and remove her gear in order to get her out of space. Out of space. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was crazy. But, yeah. You also need to do aftercare, though, um, which includes bringing them down from space. So if that's taking their gear off that helps them come down, um, a lot of times my boys will come and sit with me for a minute, and I'll just pet them, and then I'll start removing their gear, and we'll just kind of have a moment together, just... You know, kind of a that's kind of our aftercare is just to kind of sit together and be human again for a few seconds before yeah. we move on to the next thing in our event. It's it for me. It's more of just kind of a rest, mm-hmm. more than anything because you do play hard sometimes. Yeah, and I don't. To be honest, I really don't do too terribly much when I pop out. I'm more of like the kind of lazy watching and just don't really do too much, but. It it's exhausting. I mean, you're crawling around on the ground on your hands and knees, and it's it wears on your body. So it's mm-hmm. it's nice to just sit, have a bottle of water or two, and yes. just <clears throat> kind of take that time to get back to normal. Amateur tip: I always grab a bottle of water for every person involved in any type of thing going towards. Mm-hmm. Okay, correction: I always have one of my boys <laughs> grab a water for each <laughs> one of the people in the scene that we're about to go to. Um, and that includes the pet play scene. If your pet can't drink out of a bottle when they're in pet space, or maybe you want to help them stay immersed or be more immersed mm. into that pet space, you could yeah. do both. Yeah, and you that use... could be a specific bowl or just mm-hmm. like a gen- general bowl. Dollar Tree bowl yeah. even. Or maybe you can even have like a specific water bottle or something that's theirs. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that to keep them in space, or it just depends. But, I mean, water breaks are important. Definitely. Um, I try to do one about every 15 minutes during the mosh. Yeah. Just and it depends. If, if, like, they get in a big, like, hard mosh, yeah. I usually stop it after they're wound down and have them drink some water. So, 
we kind of talked a little bit about some gear that's going on. Um, yeah. You don't need gear at all. Another amateur tip, I would highly suggest, especially if you are above the age of, oh, 19, 20, <laughs> get a pair of knee pads. Yes. And your body will thank you. <laughs> mitts or elbow pads, depending on if you're on your hands or elbows. Um, I've seen both. But get something to protect your hands and feet and elbows from the ground because you are going to be on those. And even if you can handle it for a blowjob, handling it for a mosh is totally different. Yes, because in a mosh, well, first of all, a mosh is basically just a bunch of pets getting together. Usually it's, should define. usually it's a pup mosh is what it's defined as, but um, we treat it as just the pet mosh. So it's just a bunch of pets kind of wrestling or just interacting with with each other with toys or whatever and doing their thing just kind of doing whatever um but yeah you don't necessarily need gear but it helps tremendously because there's no guarantee that your floor is going to be padded or carpeted and even if it is then you're still going to have i mean you're crawling around on your hands and knees so um knee pads uh top of the foot pads Mm -hmm. Uh, gloves or anything like that, elbow pads. I mean, sometimes you're wrestling around with someone and it it can get almost turned into like actual like wrestling takedown mm-hmm. stuff. So it can get pretty aggressive, but not always. But you the just... handlers are there to make sure that if it gets too aggressive, we break it up. Right, but I mean, rug burn it... definitely happens though. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. The gear helps a lot, but it's not necessary. And that's just, like, the safety for your body. But there's other things you can buy or get, um, like ears, a hood or a mask, tails, um, anything to kind of keep you in space or helps you get into space better. I know my hood, it's just a cheap one that we got off Amazon, and we actually had to kind of alter it a bit so it'll fit my head because I have a huge head. Um, (laughs) But uh, putting that on helps me quite a bit um, to kind of focus and bring myself down to the pet level um it makes it it kind of narrows your vision some it kind of compresses your head and face um Mm -hmm. rucker wears earplugs as well yes i find that helps kind of mute out the extraneous sound but it also kind of like when you wear earplugs at least for me you kind of get that like the rushing sound a little bit but you can still kind of hear everything going around but it kind of mutes everything so it's like I don't know, for me, it's kind of like a lower, makes me feel lower, basically. So, mm-hmm. Like me... there's more space between you and the mm-hmm. rest of the world. Yeah. So, but that helps me. And it it's different for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. and like I said, like we said, that it doesn't always have to be like going for that, that deep space. I mean, some people just do it for role play. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you can get ears or whatever just to look cute. Or even, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's all up to you. Um, There's also um, some of the things that are more functional versus fashion, but also very fashionable. Uh, Collars, harnesses mm, for ponies, bridles. Yes. um, Leashes and leads, those kinds of things. They can show ownership. They can kind of point to what type of pet you are, kind of like the ears and hoods do. Mm -hmm. Um, They can also just literally be for tugging you around or walking you on a leash yeah harnesses are great for that they actually do make specific mitts that you can get that they basically they have like little paw prints on the base of them but they 
go around your hand so you can't use your fingers. So you literally have to walk on almost stumps. So you look, it's like you literally have paws, so you can't really grab anything. Yeah, your your um, hands are like in a fist inside yeah. the mitt. So it's kind of like a bondage thing. Yeah. At the same time, they have them without the paw prints for just like typical bondage. But I, a lot of people use that to help them get into the more more of a intense pet space because in reality pets don't have fingers so they can't really grab stuff mm-hmm. and same thing goes with tails there are just wearable tails or they also have plug tails too that are insertable and i we haven't really messed around with the tail mainly because of money but yeah. um i'd like to get you one it'd be nice i'd be interested in trying both just to see how how different it is um i believe that they also have tails that are convertible they can be both yes and as far as wearable that means that they're on the outside they're not inside you like a plug would be which a tail attached to a butt plug yeah but wearable attached to usually a belt yeah it's usually on a belt your waist yeah and i mean the plugs mainly like a plug tail is mainly coming from where pup play mainly originated which is in the gay male community Uh where i mean that's where it started and it's it's branched out from there but um usually when you think of pups or pet play or anything like that or pup play specifically you think of the gay male culture but and actually there is a whole separate gay male pup culture yes even within our local group that doesn't really have much to do with our group not that we wouldn't welcome them we absolutely would they just kind of like a different kind of event i think yeah than we have and um so it's just a completely different subculture mm-hmm. with like they're both pups but they're so different you know yeah i'd it'd be nice to kind of go out to see what how different it is cuz i've never i mean i've never interacted with that subculture before yeah. it's always been just the mosh that we have and just kind of in general mm-hmm. playing every I think now and a then. couple of the pups that came last week yeah. were kind yeah, of they, from that scene. It's yeah. very gear focused. Yes. And we kind of have shitty gear because we're poor. So <laughs> we would like to kind of maybe get a nice hood, maybe a tail for you. Well, and it's more focused around the club scene too. So yes, it's, and we're not it's, so much. And I think that's partially where the mosh thing came from, because usually it's done in, like, a big club. There's a bunch of music going on. People mm-hmm. are dancing around, kind of roughhousing a bit. So that's kind of where that's coming from. One of our good friends and I went to Leatherfest a few years ago in Kansas City. I'm sorry, Pride. Yeah. There was a leather tent in the middle of Pride in Kansas City, and they had a mosh pit outside. They were They created a little mosh area for the pups, and... We were able to let my female presenting friend, who was a pup, play with some of the males, the gay males that were there, because that was mostly what they were at the time that we were there. And uh, they had a lot of fun, and they absolutely loved her. It was so adorable. That's great. Yeah, so I absolutely think that we have a lot of things in common with that community, um, with that subculture, but there's also a lot of differences. So if you are a gay male pup in the or gay pup in the community and you would like to come to an event please reach out because yes we we would love to have you at a wichita event yeah we are always looking for more pets to come because our parties tend to be a little sparse especially in the the moshes and we're always looking to grow 
Well, there's, yeah. a, I mean, there's a core pet group is what yeah. it is, and not everybody's into pet play. We do have open play afterwards. I think you can play anyway, but yeah, yeah. Um, another couple of tips I want to say is wear active clothes like leggings or sweats or shorts, and yeah. you know, sports bra or compression shirt or like a jersey shirt or something yeah. that keeps you a little cool because you're gonna get sweaty, and you're gonna want to change your clothes as well. <laughs> Yeah, I always wear athletic shorts and like a like it's usually a compression shirt is what I usually wear. Just cuz and they're usually pretty loose fitting just so so it's uh more comfortable and breathable cuz I do sweat a lot even though I don't move around much. And yeah. it can get pretty hot with everybody moving around and mm. all that. Well, and you know dogs don't sweat. They pant. they pant. Yeah. But we're humans. Right. <laughs> and so when we when you pop out, you're you're gonna sweat quite a bit. I bet. I yeah. I mean, I've I've seen it. Yeah. Maybe bring some baby wipes, deodorant. <laughs> and another emphasis on water. Be sure you hydrate yes. before and after and during, mm-hmm. because if you don't, then you can really hurt yourself. Plus, like it's fun to drink out of a bowl or like a special water bottle. Mm-hmm. Like they have those water bottles that have the straws, and you could almost like act like you're a hamster. And actually, there's a I don't know where it's at, but there is a tongue straw you can get i've seen it it's like a i don't know if it's an attachment for a hood or what but it's like an actual like a big tongue like pup tongue that comes out and it's like a big straw and it's yeah i've seen it (laughs) that's so cute yeah um so we mentioned collars earlier as far as gear goes and they can just be a fashion statement or like a, a something to get you into space but they could also have significant meaning. Collars in BDSM are typically considered, like collaring someone is considered very close to marriage. You are making a commitment. You are promising certain things to them and to take care of each other, basically. We have a specific collar that I wear um, when I do pet play. It's usually when I do pet play, me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I use your other collar to tug you around if. I need to during regular scenes. Oh, my day collar, yeah. But um, yeah, it's mainly used for pet play. Occasionally, we'll use it for uh, um, other scenes, but usually it's, when you bought them for. Yeah, it's um, it has my pup name on it, and it's engraved with that. And it's a nice leather collar, and it says owned by Dizzy. Dizzy? Or, no, I think it's Sweetie. Is it Sweetie? Yeah. Sweetie is my pet name for. Mm-hmm. I always call her my sweetie. <laughs> but yeah. Um, um, but there are other types of collars as well. Um, some people will self-collar, which has different meaning to different people. Sometimes it's just, I'm my own independent pet. I don't need no handler. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's that they just don't have a handler at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel more uh, secure with that collar, yeah, it, I guess. It can also be used as another thing to help bring you into space, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that goes into the whole gear. I mean, there's a whole list of gear that you can go out and find. I mean, I've seen pups or pets out there that have like a full, full on latex suit <laughs> and like they have their legs tied up in rope as a, like in a fudo and their arms as well. And then they walk on their elbows and their knees. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can get pretty intense, um, but it all just depends on what you're wanting to use them for. Yeah. And that kind of brings us into activities that you can do as a pet or to help you get into pet space. Yeah. 
Um, we mentioned bowls earlier, so you can eat food or drink water out of like dog bowls, pet bowls. Um, you can use kibble-like snacks. We like to use cereal or the Scooby Snack Graham crackers. Um, yeah, you're not a big fan of those. They're cinnamon. I know. They're cinnamon, and pups are allergic to cinnamon. Okay, just Wrecker doesn't like cinnamon. I don't like cinnamon. Um, and so we can use like cereal or like trail mix or Teddy Grahams, you know, just little cracker cookie things. Um, you can also use canned meat or fish um, to emulate like wet food. Salads mm-hmm. for bunnies or just for pets, for right. any pet. Yeah. Um, chili or stew would also kind of emulate wet food if you're wanting to do that. You can also just eat your meals out of like if you are in a dynamic where you live with someone or you're on a date with someone at your house or something you can eat out of a bowl if you're wanting to that can be a degradation thing that can be getting into pet space that can just be a i feel like i kind of want to be a pet right now right you know? and i mean that can like like you said it could be a degradation thing or whatever but it could also just kind of emphasize your dynamic as well yeah, just like, a reminder. Just a reminder. You are a pet. I mean, yeah. you are my pet, and I'm your handler, so mm-hmm. you're eating out of a bowl today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you definitely want to keep in mind, even, like, especially when you're moshing, especially when you're moshing, mm-hmm. keep in mind your own nutritional needs. Don't just have chips because they're salty and dehydrating and, you know, just not the best for you, honestly, if you're having a bunch. Um, don't have too many sweets because you can have a sugar high. No, that's or, wrong. Or crash later. That's wrong. My I try favorite. to mix, you know, like a lot of times I'll try and do like some, you know, cheesy, chippy, even protein, like jerky mm-hmm. or cheese. And also do a little bit of sweets as well. Or maybe gummies. Yeah, I um, love my gummies. Yes, you do. For treats, if you're training, use very small pieces because you're going to be reinforcing that behavior several times and you don't want them to... A, have to chew it up because that takes too long and then they can't do their next task. And B, you don't want them to get overly full or, you know, have nutritional issues because of your training. So I would suggest maybe homemade. At one point we made some homemade ones and they were pretty bad, but we we tried. Um, There are recipes out there. You can find actual dog treat recipes that I've made them for my actual bio dogs and they taste like savory scones. Yeah, most most treats for bio dogs are, I mean, they use a lot of, all the ingredients are safe for human consumption too, so, I mean, you can find one out there that sounds good and just try it out. Definitely but, do your research, though. I'm not telling you to go out there and buy Old Roy's and oh God, start hamming. No. Um, no. Uh, another thing you can use is like Scooby Snacks, like we said, jerky, all of that. Um, yeah, veggies are good. Mm-hmm. I know you wanted to skip over that one. But like raw veggies, I'm just teasing you. Um, Especially for bunnies. Like we had a bunny a few weeks ago that uh, used carrots and that kind of helped them get more into space better. Mm -hmm. Some other activities you can do, walking on a leash, um, training, which is really fun. You just, I'd like to do like a whole episode on training sometime, but basically you're training them like you would a bio pet. You are teaching them commands, rewarding them when they succeed. Maybe correcting them, I wouldn't, if you, if it's like an actual, they're in pet space, I would not correct with violence, because in pet space they are vulnerable. If you're doing a degradation scene like that, fine, but just a warning there, but you can correct maybe if they're, you're wanting them to sit and they're not sitting, help them sit, kind of push down on their hips or something, gently. Or being too aggressive with treats. 
If they are being too aggressive with treats, you have to teach them the wait command and you set food in front of them and let them eyeball it and drool until you think they just can't handle it anymore and you tell them okay. And uh, as a pet, try not to bite the person that is giving you a treat by accident because you got overly excited because I may or may not have done that. I'm sorry, Mr. Samey. Good tip. Um, yeah. Good uh, tip. So, um... Another thing you can do is, I mean, playing, just do that like you would with a normal pet. You can fetch, um, tug, uh, keep away. Um, I would say with tugging, you got to be careful because, I mean, your teeth, human teeth are not the same as a dog or animal's teeth. Yeah, definitely so, be careful with that. I see I've freaking candy. And me too. You do that too. I, just... I like to chew things up sometimes like father like son <laughs> we just took a bone away from our bio dog because his gums were bleeding but yeah <laughs> um <laughs> you can uh play with other pets like he said wrestling and yeah uh playing keep away from each other bollock stuff yeah um well candy got into that last time too passing toys between each other mm-hmm. uh, i mean there's a lot of things you can do just whatever feels good yeah there have been times when I, someone brought in uh, what was it? That arch thing at that one mosh we went to. Oh. It was like a kid's toy um, that has like a bunch of stuff like that dangles and all that. and Just like stuff to kind of play with for like kids. It's like a little arch, like a baby. Like you lay a baby on the floor with an arch above them and it's got all those things above yeah, it. Yeah, it's just something to for the pet to interact with. There was another time somebody brought like a fabric tent thing i think it was a castle or something and the pups like immediately tore it down but that was fun but but yeah (laughs) they can also like if you have a pet bed they -hmm. can sleep there or like on the floor next to you Mm -hmm. or just chill it out to sleep there's been a couple times when i've just had to lay down because i was too exhausted but i didn't want to like just get out of spit so Mm -hmm. i just kind of laid there and watched and snuggled up with yeah and then you can also like incorporate crates that can be like a punishment, or it could just be their safe space. Yeah. Like their little bed. We have a kitty cage table at the dungeon we go to, mm-hmm. and uh, there's actually a sign that says caution, sleeping pitch <laughs> on it, so. Also, a word of warning with crates, put something soft yes. between you and the metal <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> Not comfy. And you can also use like pet names and pet speak. Like we said, there's a few pets in the community that if you say their name too often, yes. they will start drifting into space Mm -hmm. we have been asked not to say a certain someone's name too often on this because he listens to it while driving (laughs) (laughs) um sorry (laughs) speaking of let's talk about consent and pet play (laughs) (laughs) so consent and pet play there's a lot of nonverbal consent but you definitely want to negotiate before pet space and by nonverbal consent i mean like with a bio dog when you approach them if you are a knowledgeable about this subject human being, you hold your hand out in a non-aggressive position and let them smell it. Yeah. And you don't come at them too fast, you know, and they smell it and maybe they rub against you or they walk away. Or, you know, you, you accept their nonverbal consent. Yeah, just, I mean, like you would with a normal dog. You wouldn't just approach a random dog on the street that's just on its own. Well, most people wouldn't. 
but you wouldn't just do that and be like, oh, hey, boy, let's go pet that. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. you don't do that. Um, you let them come to you. You right. make sure that they can check you out, and they initiate most contact. Even if you're, like, encouraging the contact, they need to initiate it um, just for that consent, for that, you know, you never know a, a pet might bite you. Typically, that's not going to happen with a human pet, but it could disrupt their space. They could react in a certain way and get scared or upset. So just make sure you allow that nonverbal consent to happen. Well, and it also goes both ways because there are some people that go in just to watch the mosh. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the pets interact with the people that are just watching. Mm -hmm. And you have to be prepared for that. And, I mean, usually we give a warning before we start the mosh that as being a part of the mosh by watching you are at least included in the mosh to an extent i Um, also do mention pets keep in mind that you also need to watch for nonverbal cues right Um, because some pets are a little rambunctious and Mm -hmm. have climbed all over people and there's one pet that grabs his handler by the hand with mouth and bumps into her the back of her knees and that's how he prods her to do whatever he wants her to do. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> make sure that um, if you are a pet, you are mindful of who you're doing that to. If you have negotiated with your handler that that's okay, then definitely that's fine. But don't go over and do that to the brand new person sitting in the corner that's never been to a BDSM event. Right. So just kind of be mindful of that, even as you are in space. And that kind of, we'll talk a little bit more later about being mindful while in space at the same time. It seems like a little oxymoronic, but I think it's necessary to kind Mm -hmm. of still have that human brain in there. Yeah. Um, You can also use training as um, to kind of enforce the consent thing, non-verbal consent, uh, using tricks, or just even socializing with other pets, Mm -hmm. just to kind of get used to being in pet space and recognizing the different cues from viewers and other pets and that. Well, and just as you would socialize, say you get a new dog, you're going to want to socialize them to other pets, to other humans. Basically, when they're young and impressionable, you want to introduce them to as many different types of situations as possible so that they can be in those situations later and be okay. Right. And human pets are often the same way in pet space. You need to kind of socialize them and, you know, let them... Don't make them jump off the diving board into the pool. Let them walk in on the shallow end, you know? Like, it can be scary to be a pet in deep pet space and thrown into some weird situation. Yeah, some things can be very overwhelming. I mean, even when I'm not in pet space, and if I'm just at an event, if there's a lot of people there, it can be overwhelming for me as a, as a human. So it, I, I would imagine as a pet, being on that lower level... And going into a space with a lot of people, or if you're going to a big mosh or something, it can be very overwhelming. So, And sometimes there are things that might trigger another pet, whether that's another pet doing it, or a handler, or mm-hmm. a bystander doing it. <laughs> Typically it's accidental. I don't think that many no, people that yeah. come to our events want to intentionally trigger someone. We try to weed those people out pretty quick. But... Yeah, you just need to make sure that you as a handler are watching and make sure that you are watching their body language and can know them and can help them out of those situations. Um, Some of the events that you can go to that are like pet events, you can also pet out at just like a BDSM party. Yeah. Typically that's totally acceptable. But there's also moshes and conventions 
And there's also competitions and shows, which I have not had the pleasure to watch yet, but really, really want to. Yes, there are. I don't know if they're actual, actually specific to like leather or rubber, but um, there are pet competitions that you can actually enter in and win titles. Win titles. Uh, I don't know the extent of all that because I haven't really looked into it much, but yeah, I mean it can get pretty intense. But mm-hmm. most for some people, pets are like being a pet is their whole life. Yeah, and for some people, it's just putting on ears and looking cute and meowing at people. You know, <laughs> on while they're on. While they're on their feet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Most conventions, well, not, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of conventions do have, like, a specific pet mosh mm-hmm. or something like that. Because, I mean, there's a lot of pet players out there. There's a lot of pups out there. So it's always well, nice to be inclusive of everyone. Yeah. There's also, I think <laughs> I've seen that there's a couple of actually pet conventions, like really? BDSM pet conventions. Nice. Human I didn't pet know that. Um, I'll have to look more into it. We really have just focused on our space. Like we said, finances are tight for us. So traveling, tickets for conventions, tickets for entering shows or watching shows, etc. But eventually I'd like to, (laughs) I'd like to maybe do some research on that at the very least. Oh yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. And eventually I'd like to go. Go to places. (laughs) Yeah. Handlers. So handlers, like I said, they can be handlers, owners, alphas, trainers, vet techs for one scene. You can be in a relationship with them or not. You can have a dynamic with them or not. You have a dynamic, at least for the scene, of course. They could also just be a pet sitter, like for mm-hmm. one time frame. That's usually a service sub that's acting underneath a dom or a top that you're not in a dynamic with. And basically, they would just make sure that the pet is cared for and following the rules and having fun. Mm-hmm. That's the basic responsibility of a handler. Also, I think training and socialization is important, but that's more for the long-term dynamics. Yeah. One thing I would say is at the leather convention we went to last year, mm-hmm. there was a guy that watched the pup mosh. And he was very new and didn't know what was going on or anything. And it was actually really nice to have him come in and you had you brought me over and I was in pup space. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there and he kind of, he was sitting a few seats over and just kind of watching real quiet. Yeah. And then he scooched over a couple of seats to be closer to me and asked me some questions and we talked about it and I asked if he'd like to meet a pet and then I called Wrecker over and introduced him and I thought Wrecker was a good pet to start off with because he's really chill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was nice to have him, even as a bystander, you can be somewhat of a, I don't want to say pet sitter, but even just interacting interacting with the pets as a outside person just even watching yeah like if you went Um, over to your friend's house and they had a dog like not gonna pet them how rude right (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) but but like that i mean just bringing that person who had never really gone to anything before came in and like was introduced to this new thing Mm -hmm. and it's always nice to bring that out there and say that this is this is except that yeah it was a really good feeling yeah there's also on the flip side animals that don't have handlers such as strays or wild animals, as they're known. Um, They don't have a dynamic or a power exchange, typically. They may not want a power exchange or dynamic with somebody, or they don't feel like having a handler or owner right now or ever, and they are still totally 100% valid pets. Yes. I don't understand gatekeeping. Stop gatekeeping, y'all. It's not... Why? If you identify as a pet or play as a pet, you're a pet. Boom. That's it. (laughs) So now we're going to kind of go to the dark side. 
edgy so, side. Edgy side. So there is something known as dark pet play, just like there's dark age play. Dark pet play can be sexual or non-sexual. And we've kind of talked a little bit about some of this stuff, but I want to go a little bit deeper into it. Um, for the non-sexual side, we have like humiliation, degradation, mm -hmm. negative reinforcement, harsh training. And like I said, this all, like any type of edge play, because this is an edge play, mm -hmm. it needs to be negotiated thoroughly and maybe written down. Like you really need to pay attention to negotiations on this one because if you especially have a pet that's actually going to be going into pet space for this stuff, yes, they need to know how to safe word out or safe signal out and be able to get out of it. Yeah, especially if the pet goes into a deep space, that would be a form of edge play. Like, Because like I said earlier, something could happen during while you're playing and the handler has some kind of medical condition come up and then the pet doesn't know what to do because they're still in that space. Mm -hmm. so, so I would suggest even just as a handler to pet word, I would just say teach them how to practice them coming out of space by you calling red. Yes. Because that is a universal safe word and most BDSMers have that traffic light system ingrained in them already. Yeah. So it's a pretty simple switch. But the dark pet play going on, it could be, it could include bathroom control, which would be like going to the bathroom outside, using a litter box, even diapers, more stuff like that. Um, going along with that, water sports, stuff like that, caging, mm -hmm. um, getting into messy play uh, with food or like rolling around in the mud or other things like that. I mean, you could even take that into like getting into a really messy can of garbage. And I know that's gross, but that's, I mean, that's a messy play. You are getting hosed off before you come inside, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also like do the cone of shame. Mm -hmm. They have at Tractor Supply or Petco or basically oh, yeah. anywhere where the pets go. Um, <laughs> they have cones of shame, the medical cones yeah. for pets necks. They also have like inflatable ones that are just like donuts instead of cones so that might work better for you i don't know but it restricts movement it like gives a humiliation kind of thing it's you know and they have big ones they have ones big enough for horses so oh, yeah. that you, they can fit your neck <laughs> that kind of goes more into like the medical play too yeah. um there's you can do like a vet play like kind of like a doctor but with your pet um maybe like animal testing that was kind of a dark one I thought of when yeah. I was doing this. Uh, animal testing is pretty dark, but uh, you could also get into needle play or poking and prodding, just like that whole exam room. Taking your temperature in the booty, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I just mean, like you would experience if you took your pet to the vet or. Yeah, it's I mean, it's just doing medical play, but you're in a pet space mm -hmm. rather than just subspace or any kind of space. Um, yeah. And then the last one I have written down. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list. There are so many different ways you can do pet play. All of this is just a basic template of generalizations. Yeah, there are so many. I mean, you can do anything under the sun pretty much out there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. The the last one I wanted to talk about is one of my favorite ideas. It's chase, takedown, and capture. Yeah. Now, I cannot physically do that anymore, but if I were to command one of my pets or one of my friends or you know somebody to chase take down and capture somebody else we've talked about doing this in pet space with mm -hmm. my 
pups chasing down a prison girl that we have. Yeah. And it's just, I, I'm smiling talking about it because it just sounds like such a fun scene. Yeah, doing, yeah, we've talked about doing like a hunt type thing where mm -hmm. there's a few submissives that are, that we're searching for or something and then mm -hmm. you release the hounds and all the other animals to go after them. Yep. But yeah, so there's um, always that. Yeah, so those are the non-sexual <laughs> ones that we're talking about tonight. And then there are sexual ones. Yes. Um, these are very controversial. Mm -hmm. Honestly, before I became a kink educator and started researching more about things, I was squicked out by this big time. Um, squicked out is kind of like icked out, you know, just did not set well with me. Bothered me because of the whole bestiality aspect. But this is not bestiality in no. the least. It involves two or more consenting humans. Emphasis on the more. <laughs> so there is CNC, consensual non-consent, mm -hmm. which basically means that the the bottom is not capable of consent in the position that they're in. Say they're in pet space. It's all negotiated beforehand, right. of course. Keep that in yeah. mind. Um, CNC is a very... That's on the very dark side. Of... Yeah, it's pretty far into edge play. Yeah. Um, and so if this, this is going to bother you, please, you know, step away. Yeah. Um, there can also be situations where, like, the animal's in heat and is horny, and so you breed them with another animal. So, like, animal-to-animal kind of sexual scenes. And there's also human-to-human-pet yeah. sexual scenes. Um, and those are a little different, of course. They're, they're very controversial. I have not heard of many examples of them, so I honestly don't have a whole lot of knowledge. Yeah. But again, don't yuck other people's yum. This is all consensual between two consenting human adults. Yeah, um, sexual uh, sexual pet play is not quite as common. Mm -hmm. Usually when people talk about pet play, it's the non-sexual just... Acting like an animal. It's very wholesome, but, if I'm honest. Yeah, it is. It it's can adorable. be very friendly. I mean, but uh, there are people who do like to do dark, more darker plays and edge plays, and it's out there. I mean, mm -hmm. so, I mean, this stuff is not unheard of. Absolutely. It and it's be... not wrong. No, it's as not wrong. As long as you are not including anyone who is not a consenting participant or who is not a human, it is not wrong. Yeah. And, I mean, it may be harder to find that kind of play out there, but it is out there. Yeah. So, moving on to the questions we have. We have a few questions from LaTeXBorn. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining our Discord. We are so happy to have you, and we hope to have you on the show sometime, Bean. Yeah. Lake LaTeXBorn is actually a kitty boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Catman, as he or said at one point. Catman. He calls himself both, but... Yes. He asks, as an event organizer and a general member of the pet play community, how can events avoid becoming closed off to certain pets, genders, sexualities? I know in the UK scene, we are fighting to make events more diverse. So that's kind of what we were talking about earlier with the clickiness. Yeah. And the gatekeeping. It's icky. Stop it. Um, Not only that, but inviting the gay pup community to come and join mm -hmm. in. Because that's, I mean, that goes along with the clickiness sort of. Yeah. They have their own kind of scene, but it's it, it'd be nice to bring them together yeah. and see the interaction and how different the two kind of subcultures are. It really would. Like I said, when we were at that mosh, it was, it was really precious because the, once they were in pet space, there was no difference. Hmm. You know? Nice. It was adorable. Yeah. 
Um, so I would suggest how can event organizers avoid becoming closed off to certain pets, gender, sexualities? Say things like, you know, find the gay male club, gay male pep club in your region and send him a message on FetLife. Hey, we have this event going on. Would you like to come? We'd love to have any of you or your pets. Yeah. Um, we've actually talked about maybe... Okay. Since we host an event, we've talked about maybe doing like a smaller fee for people who just want to go to the mosh. Mm-hmm. And then like having a bigger fee for um the staying the whole night. Um, yeah, so trying like, to, and our, our fee's not our donation fee is not large anyway. No. But, but trying to be accommodating and um inclusive with that kind of thing because as we said, we're we're not super financially well off, so it's nice when events don't require a $50 cover. <laughs> well, and not only that, but some people, they just want to go for the mosh. They don't really right. want to stay after, so it makes sense for them not to have to pay for the full night. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, being inclusive and making it diverse is kind of hard because, I mean, you can say as much as you want on the event page and all that, but... You're only going to get as diverse as people that come out, so... Very true, and <clears throat> I would say a few things you can do when you're at other events, like we go to our monthly munch, mm -hmm. and we also sometimes go to other events during the month. Talk to people. If you find out that people are pets, be like, hey, we have this group. Join this group. Join this event. Come see yeah. us. Word of mouth is probably the best way, but, yeah. um, like, we don't... We don't bar anyone from coming. Absolutely not. I wouldn't want to do that unless you're into it. We really just try to we really just try to include everybody and be friendly with everybody and specifically reach out to pets. Yeah, I think another thing is if you find that there are clickiness or god forbid transphobia, racism, homophobia, etc. Uh, something like that in your community in your group in your event. Nip that shit in the bud. Bring that to a leader immediately. Yeah. If I ever hear about something like that at one of my events, oh, you will have this social justice warrior done. Anyway, um, so I would just suggest nipping that stuff in the bud, being really inclusive and friendly mm -hmm. and open and reaching out to people. I haven't quite gotten to the stage yet where I'm reaching out to people, but once we get back up in 2022 and start doing events, then I will probably be... You know, if I see someone comment on something and they're a local pet, be like, hey, have you heard about Paws and Pals? Check this out, you know? So I would suggest just being open and inclusive and friendly. Yeah. Another question from LatexBorn. I've heard that when approaching a hoop pup in Headspace, you treat them as you would a bio dog. Do you think this holds up with other types of pets? And how should you go about approaching an unknown stray pet in Headspace? They may not be able to communicate as a human would, and you have no owner to go back to to initiate. Absolutely. I yeah. think that this is a really important question. Like I said earlier, I think that if you just approach them as you would a bio dog, non-threatening positioning, allowing them to initiate, even if you're encouraging the initiation of the contact, um, and soon it'll be fine. You'll be able to read their body language, kind of, and know that everything's fine, that non-verbal consent. And I think that that's important for going to any pet event. I do kind of cover that in my intro at the mosh. Yeah. So. Well, and keep in mind that they're not, it's not exclusively to pups. 
there are other pets out there. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of monkeys out there, so mm. they may be a little erratic, and you kind of have to be prepared for that. So, But just... typically, they will still kind of keep some of their nonverbal cues as a human. Yeah, there's... So you should be able to decipher some of their body language, at least. Yeah, there's usually, like, an underlying level of, like, we're... We're at an event, we still want to behave somewhat like humans, not completely go, go ape shit. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. I'm not into scat play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Jessica Artemis, friend of the show, love ya girl, says, how do you know if you have a pet side? Um, that's kind of, I mean. I think if you have a desire to see if you have a pet side. You should check it out and try. Yeah. Try pretending to be... It starts with role play, honestly. Mm -hmm. You're not going to... Usually, you're not going to get into some kind of pet space sitting and talking and smoking with your friends. You're going to get into pet space when you get on all fours and put on your gear and, you know, have head scritches and toys. Yeah. And, you know, like, put yourself in the position, so yeah, to speak. I've, I've known people that they didn't... Uh, they had no interest in pet play and... I, after playing with them, I scratch their head or rub their head or something, and they're like, oh, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's kind of an automatic like endearment yeah. thing for us. And when we have friends that we feel are like, you know, that general consent to touch, especially after a scene and such. So, you know, the ruffle of the hair or the scratch in the beard or the <laughs> scratching behind the ears. And sometimes people just kind of know they're more pet-like, like for me. I just, in my general life, I have more canine-esque uh, characteristics. Mm -hmm. So it's, sometimes you just know, sometimes you just gotta try it and find out. Yeah. Um, also, what could you or would you do if you do not have a handler? So like we said, stray or wild pets are totally a thing. Yes. And um, I would just say that do your best not to go too deep into headspace Unless you have someone there that is maybe not your handler, but someone to keep an eye on you. Um, for example, we have a bunny that's a wild bunny, and I kind of keep an eye on her, and I think we kind of have that unspoken agreement. We may have talked about it at one point, but <laughs> we have this unspoken agreement that I'm going to watch out for her as much as I can to make sure she's hydrated and not getting into too much trouble. And Yeah, I mean, usually at events, there's somebody, there's a DM a dungeon monitor that's always watching and making sure things are going all right. And especially if you're, you don't have a handler or anything, you, I mean, it's nice to know that there's somebody there that can do that. Or even before the wash starts, you like may ask someone beforehand, like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I don't have anybody with me and I want to pet out tonight and I want somebody to kind of watch over me mm -hmm. and just kind of figure that out before. Absolutely. So you don't go into it kind of blind. Yeah. <clears throat> and next, Scurry asks, can someone be in pet persona more than any other? So I'm taking this assuming, can someone be in their pet space, their pet persona, more than they are in their human persona? And I have seen documentaries, really poorly done, um, about human pets that do live their life as a pet. They live with an owner and they eat out of bowls and they maybe have their latex on all day, every day, you know, like 
they live as a pet and that means something different for everybody. But there are people out there that do that. Yeah. And like Rucker said, he has characteristics. Like when he's had a bad day or even if he's just feeling cuddly, he'll crawl up the bed and cuddle up next to me in a very canine way. I don't know how to describe it other than it's just so pure pup. Well, and there are times when like... I'll just be going about my normal day and then I'll hear something off in the distance and I'm just like, look at it, like, squirrel! <laughs> and it just, or my ears will prick up because I hear something weird. I mean, I do that in the house all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, it it depends on the person, but that's that's totally possible. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, next question from Scurry. Can you strictly be a D-type and be a pet or animal? Yeah. Absolutely. We know a very distinguished leather woman who is one of the most <clears throat> intense, sexiest tops, D-types, mas- mistresses I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and she, when she goes into pet space, she is the goofiest, derpiest, sweetest little pup. It's so funny how big of a contrast there is. Look, I can just picture the look on her face. There is, there is no thoughts behind those eyes there's nothing going on behind those eyes it's so funny because she's just such an intelligent human and just such a dumb dog such a dumb dog we love you yeah but uh, she knows that she's a dumb she calls herself a dumb dog we love the dumb dog so so much so yes you can be a d-type and be a pet or animal i also know some pets that are alphas um in their pet space so just like the hierarchy of a pack of a you know pack of wolves or a pack of dogs they have a hierarchy in their their pack there are Mm -hmm. packs in we didn't mention that yet there are packs in pet play and bdsm yes and they're like little families like a pack of dogs or wolves or their friends that love each other and have a hierarchy and yeah packs are usually centered around pet play not always pets or not always pups but it's always they always have that kind of pet play as like a background or primal. And mm-hmm. I mean, there just, are some packs that are just that's what they use, and they're kind of like a family, a leather group yeah. or a poly group. They're just it's just another way to define it. There's usually a hierarchy. That's, yeah, I mean that's how a family works. So definitely, um, V pandemonium. So V pandemonium is one of the ones that we had that long discussion with, and I think we covered most of it. But I've got some notes here. So. V Pandemonium asks, can a pet handler safe word out of a scene? Like I said, I really think that that's something that you should practice using. Whether it's a safe word, mm-hmm. like I, I would suggest just red. Yeah. But um, it could be a safe word. It could be a signal, like an American Sign Language signal or another type of signal. Um, it could be a toy, yeah. a specific toy that you bring out or like a red flag or something that's going to trigger them oh i need to get out of space something's wrong yeah and that could be anything but it's that goes into the whole safety aspect Mm. i mean pet play in itself is not necessarily an edge play but it can yeah if you go real deep into space it it, there's risk yeah um so you really should be aware of how deep you're going into space given the situation if you're with your handler of 25 years and you have a safe call in place in case something happens, and you have a safe word in place in case something happens, yeah, go deep. Go deep, bro. But just be aware. 
um, you should have a safe call. I think that just as bondage, if I were to tie Wrecker up and leave him and walk into the other room and I fall and I can't get up, that he just like tensed. That's a nightmare. That is so traumatizing for both sides. It could potentially be fatal. And then Wrecker's stuck tied up, you know? I would find a way. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is, if you are going to go into space, I think that it is like akin to when you are tied up. Mm -hmm. You need to have a safe word so that a contingency and a safe call so that there are these risk mitigations in place. Yeah. You don't want, yeah, you don't want that. That can be very bad. I would never say to a newbie that they should be going deep into space. If you are new into this, take things slow. Yes. I know that you want to go full throttle 100% at things, but take it slow or you could end up damaging yourself or damaging a relationship with people or ruining a type of play for yourself. I mean, we've been going at this as pet play for almost a year now, a little over a year. Well, and we We started started about three years ago and took a little break from the scene and didn't really do much as far as pet play. Yeah, but like I still struggle to get into pet space in general. There are times when I just can't and it's just more role playing. So, I mean, take it slow. You don't want to be jump like all the way in because if you do that, sometimes like you may need to get wrestled to the floor and (sighs) taken down and. Maybe that's not even enough to get, bring you out of space. Mm-hmm. It can be that intense. But you need to be careful with it. And that yeah. type of play is edge play and it needs to be... I mean, everything should be fully negotiated before you start, of course. But especially if you're doing edge play, you need to have safe calls. You need to have safety contingencies. Stuff like that. Just be safe, y'all. Yeah. We want everyone to have fun and be safe and for nothing bad to ever, ever happen. That's our goal. But we're going to just do our best over here, can you help us out? It's daddy joke time. Daddy joke time. Daddy joke time. You ready for a daddy joke, daddy? Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I Can you get out of pup wrecker space and go I'm into daddy space? I'm not in space. Daddy joke. I'm just teasing. I wish I would space. <laughs> I know. I saw you kind of starting to slip a little bit. It was cute. All right. I hope everyone likes this one because it's going to be real bad. It's always bad. I know. You ready? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Full throttle. Why did the squirrel swim on its back? Why? To keep its nuts dry. <laughs>